You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges Nashville is a church plant in the heart of Music City, meeting at the Listening Room Cafe in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Here's this week's message. All righty, as you guys are kind of making your way back to your seats, once again, happy, happy new year, 2023. Anybody glad to be here in 2023? Amen. We're alive and well, kicking and continuing on with what God has for us and all the plans he has for us. And that's the beautiful thing about a brand new year, guys. We still serve the same God. He's <laughs> Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we continue to give him our all, I believe that opens up avenues for us to experience everything he has for us. And so, as we entered into a new series last week, we're going to continue on with that, All to Jesus. And last week, just to give a quick recap, uh, we talked about a couple things, uh, being honest with where we are in our relationship with Jesus Christ. I made this statement uh, in the New Year's message that's online. It says, honesty promotes progress. When we're able to come to God and be honest, Okay. And not fear that he's going to get mad at us. And I remember God taught me a huge lesson. He's always teaching me lessons through my children. He just does. And I remember uh, Grayson did. I always pick on Grayson because that's when the first lessons came, you know. I remember uh, Grayson did something. And it, it, it wasn't like the end of the world. I mean, you know, sometimes we can just kind of go off on stuff that just, it's not the end of the world. But he did something, and I remember I was, I was fussing at him. He's, he's like five, six years old. Grayson, why did you do that? And, and if you just listen to me, you know, I'm giving him all these parameters. Like, dude, if you would have listened to me and did what I told you to do, this wouldn't have happened. And as soon as I said that, this, this voice, whether from heaven or deep inside me, said, preacher? If I could just get you to do what I tell you to do, ooh, I mean, that cut me hard. I'm like, ouch, you know? And he's like, and I'm sitting there just, that's what happens when you don't do what I tell you to do. And boom, God spoke to me. And it's like, okay, I get it, you know? And being honest with God is like, God, I'm not all there. Amen? Not perfect. I've got hangups and issues. I love you, Lord. Amen? And God, can you help me with the rest of this? So we can be honest and grow in our relationship with Jesus. We talked about submitting to God, being submissive, uh, meaning ready to conform to the authority or will of others, meaning we have to conform to what God wants for our lives. I mean, and in doing that, it may not be easy, Anybody ever had to change, a, maybe uh, uh, you had a habit of doing something one way and you had to correct that and change something, do something new, and submitting to something that's good for you, it doesn't mean you're going to always want to do it. Like, wouldn't it be awesome if healthy food tasted like pizza? Wouldn't that, like, like, God, how come you didn't consult us on that? Now, I know you, you probably have those thoughts, too. It's like, 
everything healthy tastes like what? Broccoli. Broccoli. <laughs> Tasteless. Oh, but the doctor is good for you. Well, God, if, if you wanted us to just consume it without being forced, why didn't you make it taste like a cheeseburger? <laughs> then everything would be perfect. But if we want to transform our lives, oftentimes we have to submit to something that's not easy. But if we stick with it is when we see progress in transformation. Amen? Yes. Y'all still with me? Yes. Now, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to go Old Testament in Exodus chapter 34. If you got your Bibles, you can turn there. But just kind of let me give a little uh, preface to that, kind of set the scene. You remember when... Uh, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He was up on the mountain, along with God, having this glorious time. The people of God were down in the valley, okay? Uh, Moses comes down off of this, this high of being present with God, and he walks down, and he sees God's people like just living life wide open. Got a lot of sin going on in the camp. They're worshiping these false idols and gods. And Moses, what did Moses do? Got upset and did what? Broke, broke the, the tablets. Got disheartened because he's coming down from this, this meeting with God. Now, I don't know if you really put thought into this, but I think that'd be a cool thing. You go to a mountaintop and God begins to scribe some commands for you. I mean, no, that's a holy moment. Yeah. That is not, God didn't text him. Like, God's there. <laughs> like, he's scribing in these stone tablets, and, and he's writing some commands for the people, and Moses is excited. Can you think about that? It's like, I'm excited. I get to deliver what God has delivered to me. And he goes down, and they're, they've set up golden images, false gods, and they're worshiping these gods. Moses gets distraught, breaks them. Now, let me fast forward, okay? Because the good thing about God, how I many know God always gives you a second chance? He does. He'll work with you. So Moses has to plead with God, and, and we catch up in verse 9. It says, Then he, meaning Moses, said, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people. Let me stop right there. Stiff-necked people. Meaning sometimes we don't want to go the direction that God wants us to go. We can get set in our own ways. We can, we can be rebellious. Now, I know nobody in this room has ever been rebellious. Not a one of you. I mean, that's in our nature. <laughs> To, to go against what God is telling us to do. It's just in our nature. So we are stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your inheritance. So Moses is pleading on behalf of the people. Say, God, I know we're all jacked up. We all got issues. But can you, can you forgive us of our iniquities, our sins? We've set up these golden images. We've been worshiping false gods. In verse 10, and he, meaning God, said, Behold, I make a covenant. Everybody say covenant. covenant. 
Now, the word covenant, God is like, I'm, I'm going to make an agreement with you, Moses. We're coming to an agreement, like a, like a contract here, an agreement. He said, I'll make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing I will do. So God's making this agreement with Moses. Verse 11, he says, Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I am driving out from before you the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Pezzarite and the Hivite and the Jebusite and all the sites. Okay, just throw that in there. Just every last one of them. He said, I'm driving them out. This is a land that God is, is getting ready to, to have his people dwell in. He said, I'm driving, driving them out. But this is what he says in verse 12, 12. This is what I want to camp out. He says, take heed. Everybody say, take heed. Take what does that mean? Be cautious. Be careful. Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant. With the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. So he's like, hey, I'm leading you into a land. You need to be careful that you don't come into agreement with what they've got going on over what I want you to do. In layman's terms, it's like it's like when the Apostle Paul says we're we're, we're in the world, but we're not of it. And God's reminding us. And this is where we've got to be honest with God. Is there anything, God, in this, in this land that I've come into agreement with over what you've told me to do in your word? He said, be careful, take heed, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants, meaning the people of the land where you're going. Lest it be a snare in your midst. Then he goes on to say, but you shall destroy their altars. Why is God telling them to destroy the altars? Lest they slip up and, and, and conform and be like, whoa, okay. It's not that bad. They're worshiping this golden image. They're not, they're not dying right now. God's not striking them down. And they get, they get easily caught up into a system that God did not want them to be involved in. And this is where I think if we're going to give all to Jesus, we've got to make sure that we're not getting caught up in the world's way. What the world has going on. It is so easy to get caught up. You know, we were at, we were at a conference and the, and the preacher was talking. And this was, this was so cool. He was talking about how God commanded all of us to love. Even Jesus said, they will, people will know you've been hanging out with me. They will know you're my disciple by the love you have for one another. He said, that's how they're going to recognize that, that you're, you're with me, that you're a Christ follower. Not by how many scriptures you can quote. Not by how many times you go to church. Not by all your good deeds, but by the love that you have for each other. And God's commanded us to love everybody. And it was so cool because in this, 
in this, in this um, one of the uh, services we had there, the preacher, he was, he was very humorous, but he, he, he kind of like body slammed people. And he said, isn't it funny how the world system tends to divide? And he said, you know, the world system has, has either the elephant or the donkey. He's talking about different political parties. And he said, but what happened to the lamb? And he says, but now everybody gets so divided when you, when, you, when you go and you try to figure out what political party you're for, and all of a sudden that, that divides families, friendships, work relationships. And he said, but if you can just focus on love, and what I'm, I'm saying all that to say this, God's never intended for us to get caught up into what the world idolizes, the world system. We've got to make sure. Now, I'm not saying we have to be ignorant of what's going on in our government. Amen? But we have to be careful. Are we we worshiping a party? And if we think there's somebody in any one of those parties that's going to solve everybody's problems, we are of all people most miserable. Amen? (laughs) Or are we going to keep our eyes fixed on God for who he is? So he goes, but you shall destroy their altars, in verse 13, break their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images. This is God. He's he's focusing on what you are to worship. He said, break their... Altars, tear them down, cut down their wooden images. Verse 14, and this is where I'll camp out. For you shall worship no other God. Everybody say, no other God. And this is where we have to be honest. He says, you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. I think last week I talked about, asked this question, has anybody ever dated two people at the same time? And... Nobody responded. So, so everybody went home happy, okay? <laughs> Unjudged, okay? Because if you're dating two people at the same time, somebody's going to be jealous. Somebody's not going to have it. And this is where when God says God, God is a jealous God, meaning he's not going to stand for you to put somebody before him. Or anything before him. He's a jealous God. Goes back to who are you giving your time to? Who are you giving your worship to? Because if we think worship is just, you know, what we do here on a Sunday, although Chad and Karen did an excellent job, give them a hand clap. Thank you guys so much for being here. One of the things I noticed as we were in worship is like, you can worship without being on stage. I saw Delaney in the back there with JJ, and it's like she's worshiping God. And usually we used to see Delaney on stage, but you know what? As I saw that, it's like it, it doesn't matter what position, where you are. Your worship comes from a love for God. Amen? And we got to figure out and be honest with ourselves, is there anything that we've allowed to come into our world, our space, that has become, watch now, don't get mad at me. 
Okay? Identify things in our life, in our world, that has become an altar, that has become a wooden image, or that has become a sacred pillar. Oh, I can't do without that. Really? Now, I know a lot of people who cannot do without coffee. Like, y'all get, see, the, every one of you, <laughs> just about. They're like, if I raise my hand, he's going to he's 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 pick up, okay? So John's being honest. Like, man, I can't do without, is there anybody like that? Come on, you just can't function without coffee, okay? Okay, now that's what you've told yourself. And I'm, I'm picking on coffee drinkers because I don't drink coffee. There you go. Lisa called me out. She called me out. She did. Now, if you would say, Adonis, can you live without sweet tea? I, I don't know. I'm serious. <laughs> like, that is, my, that is my thing, sweet tea. It's so much. It's like, I, I think it's not, Heather hates sweet tea. She just, she will spit it out. But, but Grayson has become my sweet tea buddy. So we're out somewhere, and we get some good sweet tea. I'm letting him drink it. He's like, oh, Dad, that's good right there. Or, or he'll call out a restaurant if it's weak. He'd be like, nah, Dad, we're not going to get that sweet tea anymore. But if you were to ask me, can I survive without sweet tea? The true answer is what? Yes. Yes, we can, we can survive without anything but God. That's, that's the true answer. That's the, that's the answer that puts God in front of everything and everybody in our life. And when God reminds us he's a jealous God when it comes to our worship and our time, you know, we try to teach our kids. I mean, you know, this generation is so much advanced than we are. They are. And our kids love technology. And the other day, I, I, I teased them. I'm like, okay, that's it. Because, you know, they will, they will ding my phone because I control their, their stuff. And they'll want more time to play a certain game. And the other day, I said, okay, no, that's it. We're done. We're not going to play anything else. And then Heather sit down there. And they're like, why? I'm like, something to the effect of uh, that's become, did I say that's become an idol? Or I said, you're doing, you're doing, Yeah. I, I, I said something like, that's just, y'all spend too much time, that, be, that becomes an idol, and, and, and then they called us out, you know? They're like, Dad, you're on your computer, that's an idol right now. <laughs> Mom, you're at work all day, that's an idol right now. So they're calling us out. But we're trying to get them to make the connection. We have to, as adults and even young people, we've got to evaluate how much of our time are we giving to other people and other things versus how much of our time are we giving to God? Or who's first? Because if you talk to everybody else and their mama, and then at nighttime you say that little, hey, God, I thank you for this day, you know. I mean, he's a jealous God. He wants your first. He doesn't want anybody to have your attention more than he has your attention. And a lot of times, I think when we approach God, we have to have that mindset. We're coming to worship. He said, you will worship no other God. No other God. And I think when I look at this scripture, a couple things that pop into my mind about being a worshiper. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. I don't have to wear skinny jeans in order to be a worshiper. 
Amen? If I had skinny jeans, my, well, number one, my wife wouldn't let me wear them. <laughs> She'd be like, no, nah, you're not. You <laughs> may cut my circulation off, you know. But I don't, have to, I, don't, I don't have to wear skinny jeans in order to worship. I don't have to play an instrument in order to worship. This is something that may really shock you here, but I don't have to sing in the right key. Here we go. Yeah, y'all thought. I don't have to sing in the right key <laughs> in order to worship. How I many know God's not up there and I'm worshiping him in whatever shape, fashion, or form, and he's not up there like, oh, man, that's, I, can't, I can't get down with that. He's, that brother off. He's in the wrong key. He's just, God's not up there like angels. Just divert that to somewhere else. No. And, and, and I think, now, now, when people hone in their skill and their craft, that's one thing. But God wants each and every one of us to have that moment in our life. And, 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 and if we don't, other things begin to take the place. Our jobs, our schedules, even family and friends. Here's the thing. God is a jealous God. He must be number one. When it says give Jesus your everything, I mean, if Jesus came down to die on a cross for us, don't you think his expectation is pretty high as far as relationship? Gave his life for you and I. He expects to be number one. Now, it doesn't mean that we shun everything else. But we must have our priorities in order. Amen? Must have your priorities in order when it comes to your worship to God. I don't believe worship is just of singing, but I believe worship can be an act of service. God, I'm worshiping you. I'm doing what you're telling me to do. I'm carving out time, whether that's an, an act of service. God, I'm serving. Remember Jesus said, there's going to be some people that get to heaven, and, and, and uh, he's going to say, well, thank you. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was hungry, you gave me some. And they're like, Jesus, we never saw you in prison. We never, we never fed you. And he said, what? As much as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. That's an act of service. That's a worship. Those things must take some type of priority in our lives. Amen? Y'all still tracking with me? Now, here's the story. Here's the story. Here's the here's the. The story. Now, don't tune me out because I'm just talking about Tennessee Titans. This is, this is, yeah. I don't know where you stand in your football preference, but. <laughs> but this happened to me, and God taught me a huge lesson about worship. About when I go to church, what does that look like? And it was 2006. I uh, was on staff at the church here in Nashville, and somebody came in right before service, and they said, hey, where's Pastor Donis? And, and so they brought him down to my office, and they found me. He goes, he goes hey, I, don't, I have two tickets to the Tennessee Titans game, and I can't make it, but I thought, man, let me see if Pastor Donis wants to go. He gave me the tickets, and he said, good news, the tickets say 12 p.m., 
but the game has actually been moved to, to 325. And I'm like, well, praise God, I don't have to skip out of church service. Because <laughs> I was going to go regardless. <laughs> so I'm like, well, praise God, I don't have to, to ditch church early and go to the Titans game. So uh, I asked another guy, one of my friends, his name was uh, Chad. Not this Chad, but another Chad. I said, hey, Chad, have you ever been to a Titans game? He goes, no, I've never been to a to, I don't think Chad had ever been to a professional football game. I had never been to a professional football game. Because living in San Antonio, we didn't have a professional football team. We had the basketball team, Spurs, and, and we had the, uh, the hockey, the, well, I think they were the iguanas. And so being new to Nashville, I moved here in 05 and 06. I'm like, yeah, I'll, man, I've been waiting for a long time to go to a professional football game. So me and Chad were like two kids at a candy store. I said, hey, do you want to stop on the way and get something to eat? He's like, no, man, we're going to get there and get the whole experience. So I go home. Chad picks me up. We drive down to the stadium. We get out. We go into the stadium. And um, we load up on all this, this food, these snacks, you know, hamburgers, hot dogs. Get up to our seats, and we're just excited. It's like, man, and this is the day they played the uh, New York Giants. Okay? New York Giants. So me and Chad are there. Uh, we're pretty high up. That's why they gave me free tickets. So pretty high up there. I saw why they didn't want to go <laughs> to the game. So we're pretty high up there. Uh, and we're sitting down. I got this, this, you know, a good view. I'm looking down over everything. Chad's to my right. And right before kickoff, this guy comes walking up. And I can tell this is a fanatic. Know why I recognize quickly? He was dressed in a Titans bathrobe. <laughs> Seriously, had, had the bathrobe, Tennessee Titans all over it. He had this hat on that had these two beer holders <laughs> with straws that like, and he was already lit. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like game ain't even started. He's stumbling up. You could tell he already gone, you know, uh, wasted. And he comes up there. And he gets right in front of me, okay? So I'm like, okay, I can deal with this. So kickoff, everybody stands up. Like, okay, yeah, man, we're going to kick off. And then after they tackle the guy, everybody sat down, except two. This fanatic. It's one guy. And I'm like, every single play, and I'm not exaggerating, every single play, and he bought, this isn't even the worst of it, he bought two seats to, tickets to two seats to the left of him and two seats to the right of him so nobody could sit next to him. And I discovered why, because every single play, he's banging those seats together. And he's screaming to the top of his lungs. Beer is sloshing all around. <laughs> and he's like, go Titans. I mean, he, every single play. I'm thinking, dude, they don't even have the ball. <laughs> so the game goes on. I don't know if you keep up with the Tennessee Titans, but uh, this particular game, uh, they made history with one of the biggest comebacks in, in a professional football game. So me and Chad are watching it, and it's like they're getting killed. So it's 
It's like 14 to 0. Then it gets 21 to 0. And by then, I'm so furious because this guy, I feel like he's messed up my entire experience. This is my first time at a professional football game, and this guy has ruined it. He's inconsiderate. He's loud, and he's obnoxious. Every single play, he's at the top of his lungs as if the Titans were winning the game. I came this close to tapping him like, dude, the team is losing. So fourth quarter, if I say fourth quarter, ten minutes left in the game. The score is 21 to zero. I'm looking at Chad. I'm like, Chad, whenever you want to roll, just say so. Like, I'm done. Like, they're getting beat. This, this dude here is just crazy, ruined my experience. I feel like he's stolen my blessing from God, these free tickets. Like, I'm mad because I wanted to enjoy this game. So I said, Chad, if you want to go, you can go. And Chad said, well, the Titans are about to get the ball. If they score, we'll, we'll hang around. So I said, okay, whatever. This, this dude here, I'm just so mad. Like, I'm not even watching the game anymore. I'm just mad at him. Like, you idiot. You just, man, how'd they even let you in here? And all of a sudden, Titan scored. So, so Chad was like, oh, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, okay, cool. That's a fluke, but we'll, we'll give another. <laughs> and, and so Chad was like, okay, if they score again, we'll hang out a little bit longer. I'm like, whatever, dude, you know? This guy here has ruined it. In, in every single play, this guy, he never sat down the entire game. And so Titans got the ball back. I think they intercepted Pac-Man Jones. Y'all remember him? Pac-Man Jones intercepted, and they got the ball back. They scored again. So now it's like 14-21. Like, whoa, okay. So now there's like a, a game going on. And then they got the ball back. They scored to tie the game. So by then, everybody's, you know, everybody's up on their feet and cheering on and everything. And then they got the ball back, another interception, I believe, and they went down with like two seconds, Dave, left in the game and kicked a field goal to win the game. Now by then, it's like everybody's on their feet and all of a sudden something, I don't know what happened inside me, but it's like something shifted. I went from being ticked off at this guy, irritated, wishing security would have arrested him and drug him out of the stadium. But when the Titans kicked the field goal, it's like I'm giving this guy high fives. I'm hugging him. Beer is sloshing all over me. But I'm like, yeah, we did it, man. We did it. We're giving each other, even, even after the game, we're walking out. We're giving each other high fives. I'm like, man, I hope you're here next time I come here, bro. Man, I got you back. Like, we're like best buddies all of a sudden. So we walk out of the stadium, and everybody in church knows that me and Chad are at this, this game. So my phone is blowing up. People are calling me because they just watched it. And I couldn't even talk because I lost my voice towards the end of that. And so right then and there, all of a sudden, that voice came back to me. Preacher? 
This is God talking to me. He said, when's the last time you lost your voice worshiping me? I'm like, dang it. God, why? Like, we had a football game, God. I'm supposed to do this. And he said, let me tell you the difference between you and that man that you were mad at. He said, Adonis, when you showed up, and God was giving me the analogy when we come to gather in church, or when we get alone with him in that secret place, whatever that is, he said, he said, when you showed up to the game, it was all about you. Your experience, you wanted a good view, you were excited, you were happy, you wanted everything to benefit you. He said, but when this other guy showed up, he was committed to praising his team. He said, even when they were losing, he was committed to cheering them on. He said, he took the risk of, of looking like an idiot, irritating people around him, and he didn't care. He supported his team to the very end. I'm like, well, Lord, I wish you'd have told me all that from the get-go. Then I, then I would have had a better attitude. And he said, I wonder how many of my people show up to church with your attitude instead of showing up to church with his attitude. Yeah, that's what I said. When, when, <laughs> I wonder how many show up, don't care how they're dressed. They've come to support their team. They've come to cheer on their team. They've come to be vocal about their team. As I reflected back, I can still see that guy's face. Now, I'm not telling you to get drunk and then go to church. <laughs> But if you are drunk, church is probably a good place for you to be in, and God can do something for you. But I still picture that guy's face as plain as day. Lisa, he smiled the entire time. He wasn't ready to bail out because his team was losing. And in a subtle way, God said he showed up for worship. And his form of worship, David, was supporting and encouraging his team, making noise for his team. How much noise are we making for God? It cost him something. He bought out, one guy bought five seats, and he used them as drum pads to make noise, and he banged them every single play. Every single play. Every single play? Every single play. But God used that man to make an impact in me. To kind of take me behind the woodshed and deal with me. And I had to change my attitude. Because it's not about us. How many of you know, guys, no, it's not about us. It's, it's never been about us. 
but it's been about God. What are we doing? And I'm going to leave you with this thought, and I'm going to invite Chad and Karen back up as we close out this service. And I hope this, does this help anybody today? It's, it's, yes, go ahead. Thank you. Thank God. How much noise are we making for the kingdom of God? I don't know what that looks like in our individual worlds, in our individual spaces. But this guy made some noise for his team. And he planned it out, Rick. He didn't, he didn't just show up and there was empty seats. He planned it out. Like he was strategic. He made noise for his team. I think God's calling all of us to make some noise for him in this season of our life, in this season of our world. As we focus on our worship, our service to him. Let's stand to our feet and we're going to... This last song we're going to sing and I, I hope this service has been a blessing to you all. You need to... Oh, yeah. Chad's like, I need my stuff, man. <laughs> Here you go. You can, you can take that wherever you need it, bro. As we, as we come to a close and this last song is very, it's an old hymnal, but very familiar about surrendering everything to Jesus. And as I think about that fan, like I said, guys, I, this was in, in 2000, what did I say, 2006? Yeah. And I can still see his face like it was yesterday. How he walked up there that Titan's bathrobe on <laughs> two beers on the side of his cap straws coming down like he knew like and he never left you know even during halftime like people usually go to the bathroom like I don't know what he did but he did <laughs> maybe he had something I don't know I didn't even go there but, <laughs> but he never left and he came prepared and he didn't care like, I'm pretty sure he knew he was getting on some people's nerves, but he just didn't care. And I'm not telling you to be obnoxious or anything like that, but I am saying maybe God's calling us to make some noise for him. To be a people that is not concerned with what other people think about us as we walk out whatever God is calling us to do show up in a big way and make some noise especially in a world today where so many people are turning from God and away from God and being distracted by so many things I was talking to my son the other day and just having an adult conversation we're driving down the road and he said you know dad I I've seen these, these little video clips. There's some Christian people on, uh, on a YouTube channel. And you remember back in the day, I think it was Kirk Cameron, they, they would do that, go up to somebody, stick a microphone in their face, and like, are you going to heaven? <laughs> hell? What are you a sinner? You, you, you remember those? I don't know if you remember those or not. But he said there's, some, there's some, some Christian guys that make YouTube channel, and they go up to people, and he said they're proving a point. One point is that people just don't know about 
God or the Bible like they used to. And they will go up to random people and ask them, hey, can you tell me, uh, name five books of the Bible? And Grace was like, people can't name five books of the Bible. And he goes, he goes, it really seems like a lot of people these days don't know enough about God. I mean, we need to make some noise. We've, we've got to make some noise. And, you know, my heart is God will continue to show us and equip us here at Bridges how we can be some noise makers. Now, you know, don't be wearing your Bridges shirt if you're at the game and you're drunk and you got two beers on your thing. Mm-hmm. But we're from Bridges. Come to Bridges. <laughs> Y'all come to Bridges. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But I think God is, is calling all of us to, to look at our relationship with him and surrender everything. And, and a lot of times that's surrendering our, our desire maybe to be accepted by everybody. Jesus said it this way. He said, you need to know this. This is what Jesus said. Know this. I mean, no, that is a, that is not, hey, think about this. No, he said, know this. That the world hated me and they're going to hate you. That's what Jesus said. He said, you need to know this. And that does away with that, that concept that, oh, we just, I want everybody to like me. No, everybody's not going to like you. If you want everybody to like you, go sell ice cream. They will love you. Jesus said, know this. They hated me, they're going to hate you. They persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. I thought about being in that stadium. I tell you, I'm not perfect. And there's thoughts that run through my mind. Like, do I just... Do I slip out and go find security and make up some story so they can get this guy? Because I can't even see the game right now. He's all in my space. What was I trying to do? I was trying to persecute him. Or making noise for his team. Just know that God's with us. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To find out more about us and who we are, check out our website at bridgesnashville.com or find us on social media at Bridges Nashville.